Tay Ralston. It started as a bar fight, but ended in a death four months later, and now Davy police are searching for the brawlers who could face murder charges. Michael Lewis Klein Sr., 57, of Davy died November 14, 2018, from injuries suffered in a beating he received about 5.30 a.m. July 4th in the parking lot outside the Road Dog Saloon at State Road 84, police said. Surveillance video shows Klein outside smoking a cigarette, walking up to the couple of men and then turning his back t-shirt inside out before walking away. The video also shows another man with a thick black beard and black hair in a ponytail wearing a black Harley Davidson motorcycle t-shirt, a black baseball style cap and jeans walking over to the neighboring Exxon gas station. The clerk later told police the bearded man asked Klein for a cigarette and Klein gave him one. Then the man walked Klein into the parking lot. According to the police report, a short time later, 911 dispatchers received several calls from witnesses. Quote, they just beat a guy up real bad. One man said he's just laying there. We need somebody Right away, a woman caller said. He stopped breathing and he's, you know, he's bad. He's beat up real bad. There's a lot of blood. Several members of the Outlaws Motorcycle Club are then seen climbing on their bikes and driving off, investigators said. Klein was taken to Broward Health Medical Center in critical condition with a fractured skull and bleeding in his brain. He died as a result of those injuries, police said. Klein's son told investigators he had a few drinks in the saloon when his father earlier in the night but left before the beating. The son said his father had gotten into an argument with some of the club members a few weeks earlier, the police report stated. That from Florida. By Associated Press, Las Vegas. Prosecutors have asked a judge in Las Vegas to throw out the testimony of a key witness in a federal racketeering trial after they say he lied on the witness stand. The trial stems from a 2001 shootout that killed a rival Hells Angel leader in Northern Nevada Casino. Prosecutors say Gary Jabbers Rudnick lied after spending more than three days telling jurors that the Vagos Motorcycle Club members had plotted to kill a rival biker in Sparks. The Las Vegas Journal uh, Review said on that, We have grave concerns and doubt as to whether this witness will be truthful, Assistant U.S. Attorney John Hahn said after 23 days of trial expected to last through the end of the year. At the beginning of the trial, Han called the slain of Jeffrey Pettigrew 54 an orchestrated murder among criminal conspirators that received a quote green light go-ahead from the Vagos International President following a series of clashes between members of the two motorcycle clubs in San Jose, California. The eight men standing trial represent the three first of the th uh, three groups totaling 21 defendants ranging in age from 36 to 70 who prosecutors say were involved in crimes in California, Arizona, Hawaii, Oregon, Utah, and Nevada. Each of the men, including Albert Lopez, Albert Perez, James Gillespie, Bradley Campos, Cesar Morales, and Ernesto Gonzalez, could face up to life in prison if convicted. Defense attorneys for the men have asked to have the murder and racketeering charges thrown out. I don't, and this is a quote, believe the government can prove the case without Redneck 
said defense attorneys Jess Marchese, who represents Gillespie, if U.S. District Chief Judge Glory Navarro dismisses this case, it would mark the second time in two years that high-profile federal charges against multiple defendants were tossed out, officials said. Video surveillance showed Pettigrew pistol-whipping another man on the casino floor before gunfire broke out. During the fight, Gonzalez shot and killed Pettigrew, prosecutor said. Sounds like self-defense. Gonzalez was found guilty of murder in state court, but his conviction was overturned. And he was indicted in the federal case while awaiting retrial, officials said. What do you guys think? GV Wire, the federal government's investigation into the activities of the Modesto Hells Angel Motorcycle Club yielded new indictments Thursday in Fresno. Chapter Vice President Michael Schaefer, 31 of Modesto, was charged with conspiring to distribute marijuana, conspiring to distribute heroin and distribution of marijuana, and two counts of communication uh, facility to facilitate a drug trafficking offense, whatever that means. Chapter Secretary Patrick Gonzalez, 31 of Modesto, was charged with being a felon in possession of a firearm and ammunition. Hells Angels member Black or Ricky Blackwell was charged with possession of cocaine with the intent to distribute. Possession of a firearm in furtherance of a drug trafficking offense and possession of a firearm after suffering a misdemeanor domestic battery conviction. U.S. Attorney McGregor W. Scott announced the indictments in a news release. Officers searched Hells Angels residences. Law enforcement officers executed search warrants at the residence of Schaefer and Gonzalez, along with other locations. According to the court documents, at Gonzalez's residence, officers found the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club World Rules and the rule book that governs all Hells Angels Motorcycle Clubs. Officers also found the rules for the Modesto Charter of the Hells Angels, minutes of club meetings, membership information, and membership agreements. Oh, did they get a treasure trove right there. Feds arrested Modesto Chapter President in June earlier this year. Modesto Hells Angel President Randy Peachy was charged with uh, conspiring to distribute meth for leading a drug conspiracy that involved his wife, Tina, Michael Mize, and Hells Angels member, Michael Pack. This latest case was the product of investigation by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, the Internal Revenue Service, Modesto Police Department, Turlock Police Department, and the County District Attorney's Office, the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, and the California Highway Patrol. Holy cow, was there a lot involved in this one? Wow. Uh, Ross Pearson, who is the District Attorney, are the prosecutors. Potential sentences for those charged Thursday. If convicted, Schaefer faces a maximum statutory penalty of 40 years in prison, a mandatory minimum of five years in prison, and a $5 million fine. Gonzalez faces a maximum statutory penalty of 10 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. Blackwell faces a maximum penalty of life in prison with a minimum of five years in prison and a $250,000 fine. With that, I ask, is it worth it? 
If you're looking for up-to-date biker news, then Insane Throttle is the place to be. Daily editorials and news that is dedicated to the biker scene. Come on over and join the number one internet biker news site at HarleyLiberty.com. Hi, this is John with Exit 27, and you're listening to Hollywood on Motorcycle Madhouse. Want to hear more of our music? Head on over to Spotify or iTunes. The number one internet biker radio show is now available on Spotify and all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to become a subscriber on any one of these platforms so you can be notified right away when our weekly episode is uploaded so you never miss an episode. Let's go. 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 Hey, what's up, ya hooligans? Linda Cohan, an upper township man accused of running down a motorcyclist in his truck and then speeding away, has been indicted for attempted murder. Good. Noah Frost allegedly told police that the damage to his white Dodge Rams must have happened while it was parked in the Harris Atlantic City parking garage. Yeah, they're not going to buy that. But an investigation found that Frost was involved in a hit and run, which witnesses said was the result of what appeared to be a road rage incident. Both men are members of the Pagans Motorcycle Club, Atlantic County Prosecutor Damon Tyner previously said. But it was not clear what caused an issue between the two. The victim, identified in the indictment as Benjamin DePilla, was critically injured in the crash. His current condition was not released but the defense was expecting medical records to be provided under a protective order. Frost, 35, pleaded not guilty Thursday and remains in the Atlantic County Justice Facility. He was indicted on six counts, including aggravated assault, assault by auto and leaving the scene of an accident that caused serious bodily injury. Ross has been offered a 10-year plea deal, Assistant Prosecutor Christopher Diepsio told the judge. Defense Attorney Carlos Montier was given a loving disc of evidence, according to the information given during the brief hearing arraignment before Superior Court Judge Bernard Delury. Ross is due back in court October 17. DePillo was arrested in 2016 as part of an investigation into drugs and gun related to the so-called outlaw motorcycle gang. He pleaded guilty in 2017 to cocaine manufacturing, distribution, and prohibited we- uh, weapons and was sentenced to a year probation court show. Hmm. Damn. By Frank Stanfield, he is a correspondent. David R. Gutter Donovan, 40, of the Kingsman Motorcycle Club, was shot multiple times in a confrontation with the outlaws at a Circle K convenience store in Leesburg. Tavares prosecutors have dropped charges against four outlaws, motorcycle members who were scheduled to stand trial in the murder of a rival club member during the 2017 Leesburg Bike Fest. Quote, the credibility of the witnesses to these events is lacking such that the case cannot be proven beyond and to the exclusion of every possible doubt. Assistant State Attorney Emily Currington said in a memo on Thursday, David R. Gutter Donovan is in the hospital. Ooh, man, that is messed up. Do you notice how they waited this whole time, this whole time, before dropping the charges on this? Now, I wonder what they were talking about. Anyway, there were 15 to 20 outlaws in the parking lot, including Mark and Nothead Knots, 50 of Ocala, and Miguel Angel Torres, 39 of Rockledge, who were scheduled to go on trial Monday. 
Jesus A. Manera, 38 of Lehigh Acres, and Gregory A. Umphris, 33 of West Palm Beach, were charged and were supposed to be tried later. The Kingsmen said the outlaws were demanding that they support their gang or disband, and they talked. They kept trying to get us to go around the back of the building and talk, which we're not stupid. We know what they're trying to do, especially when you can see them kind of peekabooing around the corner, said Justin Malik in a sworn statement. It was basically set to be an ambush for us. We made it clear we were not leaving the camera sight because if they were going to kill us, at least it would be on camera. You're a rat. The outlaws forced them to go around to the side of the store. They said that the outlaws were trying to rip off Donovan's vest with his, quote, colors or cut club patches, and the one of them was holding a knife to his throat when someone yelled, quote, shoot that expletive. <laughs> Millicent and the Kingsman members Sean Kearney's and Brian Larrabee ran into the store Milliticate opened the door and fired his handgun into the parking lot, hitting not three times. These are the known facts. Kingsmen have given contradictory stories, even contradicting their own testimony. And although two guns were recovered at the scene, police were never able to find the murder weapon. Kearns, for example, first identified Umphris with a gun in his hand, but later said it was Taurus. God, right. Larrabee gave a sworn statement saying that Umphris took his gun and his vest off his person, but later said the gun was in his motorcycle saddlebag. Millicent was asked in a deposition in 2017 if Donovan was able to get off a shot. Quote, I think he did, but we never recovered any firearms. None of those guns were recovered from the same. However, during a deposition on September 5th, Millicent admitted to Umphris' attorney that he had Donovan's gun. The attorney asked him to recall his testimony during Umphris' bond hearing in July. Question. Do you remember what you said about that gun when I asked you? Answer, yes, sir. Question again, what was it? Answer, that I didn't know where it was. Question again, were you lying? Answer, yes, sir. The trial could have provided a rare peek behind the scenes of motorcycle gangs. The Kingsmen, who pride themselves on being a non-affiliated motorcycle club and thereby not aligned with any clubs that may be at odds with the Allahs, did not believe themselves to be in any danger. Leesburg police noted in their investigative report, the Allahs proudly call themselves one-percenters. Well, the one of a hundred of us who has given up on society and the politicians. One-way law. This is why we look repulsive. We are saying we don't want to be like you or look like you. So stay out of our faces. Easy enough. Umpress's fiance described the outlaws as a, quote, brotherhood during his bond hearing. Well, well, what does that mean? Asked Assistant State Attorney Hugh Bass. You idiot. Quote, family, she said. Way to go, girl. Quote, we're a family club, Millick told police. We don't like to do those things. It's not who we are, he said. Most clubs, especially one percenter clubs, the club is above everything else in your life. Above your family, above your job. They don't give a damn about any of that. Some of them, you literally have to sign your house and bike and everything over to your club. And ours is different. It's family comes first, job comes second, and then the club. 
The Federal Department of Justice doesn't seem to see a distinction. Of course they don't. Last year, U.S. prosecutors in New York State convicted three Kingsmen of multiple charges in a major racketeering scheme, including murder. David Perk, 68, of Ustis, who was listed as the national president, Timothy Blaze Urich, and the treasurer from there. Hmm. The defendants and their associates transformed the Kingsman Motorcycle Club into a vicious gang. Hollywood's Motorcycle Madhouse on Spotify and iTunes Radio. And welcome everyone to Law Enforcement News, your news that's going to be talking about what is going on with law enforcement. We figured we'd start this series as well because a lot of people were upset about how we are doing biker angle in the mornings, how we are only talking about the bad that's going in within the biker community. So we figured we balance it out, give both sides of the story of what's going on in both communities. This morning or this afternoon, I'm actually recording this uh, in the morning, but we got a Rivera Beach police officer arrested in poor Fort Pierce. And this was posted and updated uh, yesterday by Monica. And this is on the WPTV website. So let's get into it. By the way, don't forget to subscribe, everybody, and like the video. Fort Pierce, Florida, a Rivera Beach police officer has been relieved of his duties after his arrest on burglary and third-degree grand theft auto charges. Mm. Now, I know that law enforcement's officials, everything from the feds down to the state, county, and local levels, love Brandon, one percenter clubs, and other motorcycle clubs as gangs. Now... They don't look in the mirror at themselves, now do they? Here, you know, every day, and I think there was a report that came out, uh, it was out of Bowling Green, Kentucky, where all kinds of cops are in a database and still working the job where they've committed crimes and stuff like that. There's a lot of felons on there after being uh, convicted and they were let go of course off the police department but before they you know you start throwing around allegations at bikers and at one percenter clubs maybe you guys should be looking at your own quicker than you do you know i know that thin blue line or blue wall whatever it is i know you guys just like everybody else in the clubs don't like rats but you took a constitutional duty to uphold the law. So maybe you guys should start investigating your own before something gets to this level. Let's go on. The officer Marvin Williams, 28, of Port Lucy or St. Lucie, was arrested by St. Louis uh, County de deputies on September 25th and released from his duty the following day. According to the Riviera Beach Police Department, also arrested on the same charges was his wife, Gloria Floyd Williams, 28, an attorney with the Justice Administration Commission. Uh, nah, that's pretty bad, man. Getting your wife arrested? Really, man? You know, the one thing I've always said is if you're going to do some dirt, do it by yourself. That way you don't get others involved and then you sure to hell won't have people testify against you. Because if I follow this story, I can almost guarantee that the wife's going to go. She is going to go against you. You never tell a woman when you are doing something dirty. Because, you know, unlike males, they got something they can use against females almost all the freaking time. And let's be honest, females ain't the best holding up under stresses of an interrogation. Anyway, according to the arrest report, Floyd Williams arrived at ATR Recovery and Towing in Fort Pierce on September 25th at around 11.30 a.m., accompanied by her husband and asked for her vehicle to be released to her possession. 
The manager of the business, Gerald Allen, stated that he told Floyd Williams that he had not finished the process required by law to release the vehicle at the time. Hmm. Allen said Floyd Williams entered the gate illegally, got into the vehicle, and started to drive, hitting an SUV before arriving at the closed date, damaging both vehicles. Well, why wasn't he, you know, assault with a deadly weapon, maybe? I don't know. Allen told officials that Marvin Williams opened the gate for his wife to exit the compound and they fled the scene. I guess because he was a cop, I guess he was above the law, I don't know. According to Allen, Williams had no permission to enter the fence compound and had not signed the proper paperwork or paid any fees that were due. Floyd Williams told officials that she possessed her car release form, her bank, and that her owner refused to release the car. She stated that the gate was open and then she took her car and called 911 before doing it. Lloyd Williams also showed police an email from her bank saying the vehicle was to be released. Okay, I guess it's getting more clear here that it was a repo. And they went and just got the thing. Now, in their defense, if they had a freaking, you know, letter saying that uh, the car can be released, uh, you know... How is it stealing your own, you know, Grand Theft Auto? I don't get that. Anyway, interim chief of police Spencer Rozier released the following statement. The department was made aware of the circumstances that led to the arrest of a city police officer, Marvin Williams, in Fort Pierce, Florida, on September 25th, 2019. Consistent with department policy, Williams was relieved of all law enforcement duties effective the 26th. He is on paid administratively pending the outcome of criminal and internal affairs investigation. Now, again, you know, maybe this one's less cut and dry here because they threw burglary and third degree grand theft auto charges at him for taking his own car and if he had the release from the bank you know i don't know what the problem is here if it's paperwork or whatever you know let me know in the comment section what you guys think and how this situation unfolded uh you know i don't see you know a grand theft auto charges on your own car but that's just me and you know i'm trying to be uh fair and balanced and stuff here no pun intended to it, you know, I'm not Fox News anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Need your daily dose of biker news? Then what are you waiting for? Visit HarleyLiberty.com and keep up to date with all the happenings in the biker scene. And wait, there's more. Insane Throttle Biker News is now on Instagram. Come on over and give us a follow and get special video content not seen elsewhere on the net. Just type in Insane Throttle Biker News in the search bar. In your face, all over the place. We're online 24-7-24-7. And welcome back to the segment, Politically Engaged Bikers Want a Ride to Washington to defend President Trump against the threat of impeachment from House Democrats. Yes, you can guess, this is Bikers for Trump. Multiple pro-Trump organizers have expressed interest in swarming Capitol Hill in a demonstration of support for Trump, whose blunt style and populist appeals won intense support from the biker community. Not all of us. Trump defended buzzing about the concept. See it as a way to express opposition to Austin Trump among ordinary people. While Trump critics have expressed alarm about the optics and intent of the participant. Oh my God, you hear that? Rolling Thunder co-founder Artie Mueller first floated the ideal in May and it generated intense social media attention 
over the weekend after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi endorsed an official impeachment inquiry. His own officials don't like the optics of bikers. Dale Hurdon, the director of Bikers for Trump, said Monday the group considers timing critical. Well, Democrats in control of the House and impeachment could come as early as this year, followed by a trial in the GOP-held Senate. Quote, we are thinking it's all about timing, end quote, Hurdon said. Anyone can have a rally, anyone can do a ride, but it is meaningful. If we do something, we want it to be timed properly and the meaning to have a positive purpose. Oh man, got that going. Timing is key again, he said. Mueller told the Washington Examiner on Friday that he spoke with Trump on the phone about a month and a half ago. The men didn't discuss his protest ideal. And Mueller said he's not organizing a rally, though he's eager to help, quote, if he needs support somewhere, end quote. We are all supporting him, Mueller said. The Democratic Party is really out of line. All they have been trying to do is destroy him. Mueller's initial call to action attracted mixed reviews. Richard Painter, the former White House ethics lawyer to President George W. Bush, turned unsuccessful Democratic Senate candidate, well, of course, they go back and forth, don't they, expressed concern that brown shirts on wheels will descend on D.C., referring to Adolf Hitler's Nazi militia, so they just called bikers militia from the Nazis. Swastikas, racist tattoos and all, they are coming to do their leaders bidden. Painter wrote on Twitter, he's a freaking schmuck. Now I'm mad. He called for the bikers. The bikers now promise to answer his call. Well, now that you're mentioning, now maybe we should. Brown shirts on wheels will descend on BC. He goes again. Will Congress back down? Richard W. Painter at RWPUSA May 31st. Remember that one. Ern said he is not concerned about a potential ride reflecting poorly on Trump. Bikers for Trump has more than 330,000 Facebook followers, allowing for a broad dissemination of plans. But large existing groups aren't necessary, and a possible rally has gained traction among many local leaders with experience organizing events. Yeah, right. Bill Williamson of Maryland, a native anyway, who organized the 2 million bikers to D.C. rally in 2013, which brought thousands of bikers to uh, counter-protest the 9-11 event originally called the Million Muslim March, told the Washington Examiner in May that he, quote, most certainly will be involved in anti-impeachment planning. This is going to end engulf us for a whole year. Sky Bischoff, who organized a pro-Trump rally in Washington's DuPont Circle in January 2017, said Monday, if the call is put out to ride, I'll be there, along with many like-minded brothers and sisters. Bischoff, who lives in Pennsylvania, voted twice for former President Barack Obama before voting for Trump when he became disillusioned with issues, including rising health care costs. In Virginia, Rolling Thunder Chapter President Francis Mac McDonald said he in May he and most of our chapter would ride in Trump's defense 
but stressed it would be in a personal capacity. Man, you guys, now you're getting cold feet. Mueller declined to offer further comment when reached by phone Monday. Bikers I know, man, they go wherever they want to go. The ideal received significant support after Pelosi endorsed an impeachment inquiry over Trump pressing Ukraine to investigate the Biden family. It's do uh, you know, they project a lot. One Twitter user wrote, I am not rich, don't have a ton of extra money, but I do have an earmark account for tickets, hotel, for just such an occurrence. We will descend on D.C. Well, let's see if you guys are all talk. Bikers for Trump usually are. Another Twitter user received 1,000 retweets and almost 200 concurrences writing, the rest of us patriots will be joining them. Who else will show up? The biker community is prone to <laughs> fake nationalism, allowing for a ride called by one leader without the blessing of others. At Trump's inauguration, three biker leaders fought among themselves and held separate pro-Trump rallies. All righty then. Uh, <laughs> we'll keep you updated if it actually does go down. Author Scott Eslinger, 12 News. This coming out of Lake Charles, Louisiana. Orange police officers arrested a man Friday morning in connection with the theft of two ATM machines and about $150,000 by a group Louisiana police say are a part of a Texas motorcycle gang. I call this the caper, the Keystone caper. Faith uh, Brooks, 27 of Beaumont, was arrested in connection with the thefts. Joshua Leroy Fontanette was arrested by Orange police officers during a traffic stop early Friday morning, according, again, to a news release from the Parish Sheriff's Office, the Keystone Caper. <laughs> Fontanette, 44, of Denham Springs, Louisiana, was the last of six men and a Bupont woman arrested in connection with the theft of the ATM machines from banks in Westlake, Louisiana in early July and early August 2019. Faith Burex, 27, of Bumont, was arrested along with Brandon Hightower, 33, of Humble, Hosea Owens, 28 of Alvin, Christopher Scott, 44 of Lake Jackson, and James Hicks, 33 of Hoffman, on September 23rd by parish deputies along with Texas and federal agencies. Great way to bring the heat, man. The agencies involved include the Houston Police Department, FBI, U.S. Marshal's Office, ATF, FBI, Beaumont Branch, Beaumont Police Department, Port Arthur Police Department, Beaumont Fire and Medical, Texas Department of Criminal Justice Officer of Inspector General, Harris County Sheriff's Office, the Federal Bureau of Prisons, and the Texas DPS. Good going, guys. Bring them all in. Melvin Coop, 46 of spring, turned himself in on Wednesday. <laughs> Jesus, this is a keystone caper. Parish deputies say all seven are members of the Brothers East, or Beast, Outlaw Motorcycle Gang. Early on the morning of July 13th of 2019, Parish deputies were dispatched to Westlake, Louisiana Bank off Sampson Street for an alarm call. Once they arrived, they learned that an ATM machine had been stolen from outside the bank using a stolen forklift 
which was left at the scene according to the news release. Yeah, now you guys see why they call it a keystone caper. Detectives later recovered the ATM in the bed of a stolen pickup truck near State and Sheridan Streets in Lake County, or Lake uh, Charles, my fault. The suspects had stolen the forklift from a business across the street from the bank hours before stealing the ATM, the release said. Early on August 3rd, 2019, detectives believed the same group stole another ATM from a bank on Samson Street in Westlake. Modern day robbers. De- deputies arrived on the scene and discovered the ATM missing and found a stolen trailer along with a stolen forklift. They later learned the trailer along with a truck had been stolen from a business along Highway 90 in Lake Charles the night before. They say the forklift had been stolen around the same time from another Lake Charles business on Candace Lane. wonder if the beasts had come out and uh, say they were thrown out. Deputies found the stolen truck and the ATM on fire along Bayou D&D Pass in Sulphur later the day of the ATM theft. Way to go, Keystones. By Margaret, Sydney Morning uh, Herald, we are going to travel to Oz. One of the three men accused of murdering former common chair of Bikey Chief Mohammed Mikawai has been granted bail by a judge who described the evidence of his involvement as being, quote, significantly limited. Jamal Alaji, 32, has been in custody since his arrest in February on charges of murder and possessing a prohibited pistol, which is not the weapon used to gun down Mr. Hawaii. Yeah, they got some messed up laws over there. Guns I'm talking about. In the NSW Supreme Court on Tuesday, Justice Robertson Wright granted bail imposing strict conditions. They include the deposit of $1,040,000 by three named people, which is to be forfeited if he fails to abide by the conditions. Yeah, I wouldn't be putting it up. While prosecutor Chris Allison said the crown case against Elijah was of moderate strength, the judge said it would properly be described as weak. Wow. Mr. Hawaii 37 was shot multiple times as he got into his car outside a gym in Rockdale in Sydney South in February 2018. And welcome to this segment, Andrew Martinez. An affidavit unsealed by a New Hampshire court Tuesday revealed grisly witness reports from the June crash that killed seven bikers in which witnesses allege, I will not say his name, truck and trailer was driving erratically before the collision and he appeared to flee after the crash. The driver, who is 23, pleaded not guilty in June to seven counts of negligent homicide in Coos County Superior Court after the June 21 collision that killed seven bikers with the Jarheads Motorcycle Club on a remote stretch of Route 2 near Randolph, New Hampshire. According to the affidavit by New Hampshire State Trooper Brandon Giraldi, witness, I ain't gonna say, who was driving with his wife and child from Maine toward Vermont, saw the driver of the pickup truck and trailer travel into the eastbound lane of the road on two separate occasions before the crash. Another driver who told investigators she saw the truck and trailer plow into the bikers and blow up said she didn't see the truck apply the brakes, quote, at all. 
Sean Moyahan, a driver who offered assistance to the bikers after the crash, told police he saw the operator of the Dodge pickup truck, quote, take a backpack out of the truck and jog away from the truck. Another biker, Tad Durante, said he saw the operator of the truck after the collision remove a cell phone and, quote, felt the operator of the truck intended to flee, according to the affidavit. Other witnesses, including bikers who avoided the collision, described seeing the truck strike the bikers, including seeing Albert Monza, who was killed in the crash, being struck by the truck dead on. A group of Little Inn, New Hampshire firefighters also told investigators while responding to a call in a fire engine two hours before the crash, they witnessed at a crossing the black Dodge Ram pulling a white car on a gooseneck trailer travel at high rate of speed and drift in the lane. Girardi is in his investigation found citations for the driver in Iowa for improper use of lanes and using additional equipment that decreases safety. He also writes there were multiple calls taken by dispatch regarding the driver's reckless driving. The Coos County Attorney has until October 19th, a day after the grand jury sits again, to file an indictment in this case. Hopefully he gets freaking a sentence. Uh, anyway, by Alexis Devias. Good one here. Sturgis, South Dakota, KOTA TV. For the first time, female motorcyclists are traveling the world in a new relay. Fifteen female bikers proudly rubbed their engines as they drove down Main Street, marking their arrival in Sturges to take a break from the Woman Riders World Relay, tackling rain, wind, cold, and lightning storms since Murdo, South Dakota, has made the 440-mile plan route a tough one. Quote, it's cold, so a couple of the women are struggling to maintain body temperature. We are trying to make sure we have appropriate gear for everybody, keeping everybody warm and safe. Yes, keep safe, girls. Michelle Lanfer, Woman Riders World Relay Chief Financial Officer, said, But the women are pushing through and will end up in Casper, Wyoming, to pass the hand-carved baton. A biker carries the baton in a canister attached to a backpack. Inside the locked canister are papers signed by every female who has carried the baton. Haley Bell is the founder of the relay and comes from the UK. She said her main goal was to ignite a global sisterhood. It has blossomed some into something quite significantly and it's making history. The connections that we've seen happen and the friendships that have been formed and the unity the women have shown within each other. You know, all encompassing. All accepting, Bell said. One of the riders also brought two corgis, Justin and Chloe, as their fellow travel companions. Quote, I am a disabled veteran and Chloe is my service dog. And Justin is my new puppy. So this is his very first big ride. She's, Chloe, gone cross country four different times already. Heather Hedgarg. A biker in the relay said, Lamford said, this ride is also a moment for businesses to recognize the thousands of consumers they are sometimes forgetting. She said women have limited selections when it comes to purchasing bikes and gear. Well, I hear that same sentiment from a lot of women. They like more options than just pink. We see a lot of pink gear and embroidered flowers and things on it. There's kind of a trend to take men's gear and shrink it down. But oftentimes it's not really fit for female proportions, Lamphere said. However, Lamphere said she is starting to notice some companies catering to their needs. As for the baton, 
it will make its way through the west of the U.S. down to Mexico, through South America, and back to the U.K. by February. Good luck. I love it. I love it. I love it. DW.com, eight members of the Hells Angels Berlin Charter, including the group's leader, Kadar P., were sentenced to life in prison by a Berlin court. German officials announced this past week the charter leader was found guilty of putting a kill contract against Tahir O, with whom he was in a long-running conflict. In early 2014, a group of 13 Hells Angels stormed a Berlin bookmaker shop with one of them opening fire and hitting Tahar Ul with six bullets. The 26-year-old died at the scene. Some of the participants wore mask surveillance video footage from the building showed. Not good, not good. Biggest ever biker-related trial there billing it as. The Berlin court sentenced the 35-year-old Kadar P. to life in prison for indictment to murder and seven other members of the group received the same sentence for taking part in the attack. One other attacker was handed a shortened prison sentence of 12 years after he cooperated with investigators. Oh, a rat! You don't say. Judge Thomas Gross described Kadar P as antisocial and aggressive. Well, nothing would happen without him, he said. Prosecutors also claim one other defendant was involved in the murder, but failed to prove the link. He was sentenced for possessing an illegal weapon to one year and ten months in prison. Tuesday's sentence brings an end to the biggest ever trial involving, quote, biker gangs in Germany's history. Police officers suspected of negligence. Separately, German authorities launched an investigation against three police employees for allegedly failing to prevent the murder. The officer are suspected of knowing about the plans to kill this guy months before the attack and learning about the specific contract just five days before the kill, but failing to take steps to protect him. The investigation over the alleged state misconduct has not, not been completed. The U.S. biker organization Hells Angels first reached Germany in the 1970s. In recent years, police have repeatedly clashed with the members of the group, which authorities claim often operates as a cover for criminal activity. Earlier this year, a corp in Leipzig sentenced four Hells Angels members over murder, and another murder trial is underway in Cologne.